0: Thank you, ladies. Beautifully done. Galatians chapter 5 in your Bible this afternoon. Galatians chapter 5. I'm so glad you're here. How many of you had a good lunch? Did you? Good lunch. How many of you are excited about staying awake in this service? That's awesome. I'm so glad, and I hope you do, and I'll do my best to keep you awake. Uh, Wisconsin is the land of dairy farms, right? There's dairy. How many of y'all farmers in the room? Anybody here? I like Wisconsin because I like farming. I grew up on a farm. I like cows. You know what you call a cow with no legs, right? That's ground beef. What do you call a cow with no front legs? That's lean beef. Yeah, that's pretty good, huh? I I like cows. You know what you call a cow that just had a baby? Decaffeinated. (laughs) That was utterly not funny, huh? Oh, I'll milk that for all it's worth. How'd How'd the farmer find his wife? he tractor <laughs> all right well I want you to be awake while I'm preaching to you I uh, my kids love my farming jokes I heard this one this one story about this farmer he was milking his cow he's milked her for years she's an older cow and milks her by hand every morning every night he just he loves his cow and he's done it so many times he can do it in his sleep doesn't even think about it anymore he just sits there and he milks the cow and He's milking her one, one afternoon, he looks up alongside of her body, and he sees this pretty good-sized fly just go right in her ear, boom, and he kept watching, and the fly never came out again, and, and, and he had a, you know existential moment or two of thought, what happened to the fly, and he's milking, and he's just thinking, what happened to the fly? The fly never came back out. And as he's milking along, all of a sudden, he's just milking away and thinking about this, and the fly just plopped right out into the milk bucket. And he thought, wow, that's like in one ear and out the other. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a pretty lousy joke, isn't it? Pretty lousy. I just want you to know that I have really good friends. Uh, I, uh, I appreciate and love very much. This is my sermon, Brother Harold. You just calm down back there. Uh, I, uh, I, I love Brother Jesse Williams a lot. He gave me a Dunkin' Donuts gift card. Isn't that of the Lord? That is just of the Lord. And uh, my wife just had a birthday, and uh, don't tell her I told you this. She turned 50 uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, she's just loved. The Lord's used her in so many lives. And uh, people from all over the country sent her birthday cards, and she got so many Starbucks gift cards that uh, it just was astonishing and I'm so excited about this because she's gonna take me on my dates this year and pay for them this is so exciting and now I can take her on one too Isn't that great that's just a great blessing well here's what we've been doing Galatians chapter 5 we uh started our first session together in this chapter first proposal and my proposal was that you cannot go wrong resting and rejoicing in the power of the work of Christ My second proposal, you cannot advance until you're aware of and begin to address the failures of your life. This morning's proposal, uh, you're not to be controlled by the works of the flesh. God has a better plan for you than that. Uh, That's uh, that's not how a Christian should live. This afternoon, as well as tomorrow morning, I want to take a little step further and zero in on the work of the Holy Spirit here. And I want to talk to you this afternoon on uh, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians uh, chapter 5. And tomorrow morning, Lord willing, I'd like to talk to you about the life of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Well, let's talk about this afternoon about the fruit of the Spirit. And you notice here, beginning in verse 16 again, we read this morning, he says, that, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. And here was this morning's message, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. This is not how God wants you to live. You're a child of his. You have the spirit's power in your life. He's given you his word. He's, uh, he wants to work in you, to grow you. So that the works of the flesh do not control your life, damage your life, hurt your life this is uh, this is the point of these next few verses and then in verse 22 on the other side he begins an entirely different direction, but the fruit of the spirit verse 22 but the fruit of the spirit and you know these is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there. Is no law. My fourth proposal this afternoon is simply this you, you are called of God to experience the fruit of the Spirit in your life. God wants you to experience this. Uh, he doesn't want you to be defeated or controlled by the works of the flesh. He wants you to experience in your life the very fruit of the Holy Spirit. What God the Father planned, God the Son purchased, and God the Spirit wants to personalize into your life. He wants you to experience love and joy and peace and long suffering and gentleness and goodness and meekness and faith and temperance. He wants you to understand all of this and apply it to your life. How many of you agree that based on this passage, only by the spirit can we live the law of love? He mentions that I'm I'm not to be controlled by liberty, but by love I'm to serve others. The law of love. I can't do that on my own. Have you already found that out in your life? You can't do it. Uh, For one thing, you have roommates. And roommates know how to push all the buttons. How many have a roommate that just knows the buttons to push? Anybody? I have a son. I have a son. Now, I've got five kids, but I have one son that is a master button pusher. He knows what will get you going, and he'll just, he'll just push that button until you are, you know, on edge, until you're ready to kill him in the name of Jesus. We're spiritual about it. He's going to die, but we're spiritual about it. And, and, and so, so here, here's the whole deal. You can't do that on your own. But you have the Holy Spirit, and you, through Him, can live the law of love. Only by the Spirit can you overcome the lusts of the flesh. You're aware of that, right? Uh, the works of the flesh will destroy you. Every one of us are tempted. Every one of us are challenged. Every one of us are battling. But the fact of the matter is, you can't do it on your own. You can try really hard, and that's been a real failure in our movement. A lot, you know, you just try harder. You know, really mean it this time. Uh, really mean it. I, I don't know how many times in revivals I. I'd see people come forward, the same thing, over and over and over and over and over again. And I really mean it this time. And they'd get, I'm going to try. I'm going to really, I'm going to really win this time. But it was a happy day, happy day, happy day in my life when I realized I can't, I can't. But I do have the Holy Spirit, and He alone is the one who can empower me and strengthen me and produce fruit in my life so that I'm no longer controlled by the works of the flesh. I am controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit producing His fruit in my life. Only by the Spirit can I produce fruit. God wants us to live a clean life. We can't do that on our own, can we? And no matter how clean, we all admit clean is important, isn't it? I I am pro-clean. Are you all that way? I am pro-clean. I like clean. I like clean car. I like a clean car. Uh, I, like, uh, I, like, I like clean clothes, y'all with me on that? I like clean food, don't you? I believe in clean food. You ever, you ever found somebody else's food on your fork? If you're at a restaurant, you need to get a new fork because that's not right. It's not right to eat food you haven't paid for. <laughs> and you, you get, a, get a clean fork. Uh, you, ever, you ever seen, you know, this just happens, it's life, it's not the end of the world, but if you find a hair in your food that doesn't belong to you, that, that affects you negatively. Rarely will you find somebody dumb enough to be like, you know, I'll just go ahead. No, clean is important. I heard a story about this little boy. His dad said to him, hey, son, it's time to go to bed. Go brush your teeth. Get ready for bed. And the little boy, little boy goes in the bathroom and he's in there and dad got distracted. And all of a sudden, dad's like, what? He's been in there forever. So dad runs down the hallway to see what his son is doing. And he gets down the hallway, looks in the bathroom. And the little boy has daddy's toothbrush. And the little boy is brushing their dog's teeth. That's daddy's toothbrush, and he's just brushing away. And dad was mortified, and dad said, you can't do that. He said, dad, I've been doing it for three weeks. <laughs> now that's a, that's a bad deal, isn't it? And, you know, I would suspect this afternoon that all over this room, here, we, we want to be clean. I want to have a clean life. I want to I defeat the works of the flesh and enjoy a clean life. But the fact of the matter is, you can't do that on your own. You don't have the ability. You never will. Uh, you, you'll struggle, you'll, you'll fail, you'll be tempted beyond that which you're able on your own. But God is giving us the spirit here to produce fruit in our life so that we can enjoy Christianity and be everything we ought to be. Now, I, I want to talk to you about this in a little different sense. I, I thought about earlier about going through the fruits and, and emphasizing them and talking about them like maybe I did with the works of the flesh. But I, I, I want to go a little different direction and, and meditate on the question, well, how is this even possible? What what does it even look like? Okay, so here I am. I know I I struggle. I know I've been defeated. But what does it even look like that God wants to let the Holy Spirit in my life produce fruit in my life? How's that even possible? And what does it even look like? And as I've meditated on it and worked on it in my own life, there's three things I want to share with you this afternoon that's been a help to me. The first thing I want to show you is simply this. Did you know that there is a time factor involved in these verses? R- write that down if you're taking notes. There is a time factor involved. My dad, I talk a lot about my dad and I wish y'all could meet him. My father, my father when I was younger had a terrible temper. My dad, my dad was a very, very angry man. Very, very bad temper. He came, he came by it honestly. My grandmother had a terrible temper. Uh, now my, my, my grandparents were very funny people. Papaw, my, my grandmother was I think maybe six one or 6'2. And uh, probably was 220 or so. She's a pretty big woman, and I don't mean heavy. I mean she could whip any guy in this room. She was, she was tough as nails. The woman was a mountain woman and strong as a mule and mean as a mule. And, and she was just, she was a rough woman. She carried a pistol. And I'm not joking. I'm, I'm serious as a heart attack. She carried a pistol. She had a purse about the size of that piano. And, uh, <laughs> and when I'd go work for her on the farm, she would say to me, No, all right, now son, go get, go get my purse." She told me this every time I worked for her, go get my purse. She's going to pay me. She always gave me a dollar for work. And uh, she'd say, go get my purse. And she'd say, you be careful, my gun's loaded. And, and sure enough, she'd always have a gun. And she used it. My grandmother, when I was in the sixth grade, lost her temper one day and went to jail because she pulled out her pistol and shot at her daughter-in-law three times. Aren't you glad I'm saved? <laughs> my grandmother, she had a terrible temper. Oh, my goodness. Terrible, terrible, terrible temper. I started getting mad one day, she was in the kitchen and she was cooking and she had a quart jar of, of, of sauerkraut, canned, sauerkraut, how many of y'all like sauerkraut, anybody here? Uh I, I don't mind it, it's not my favorite, but I don't mind it. And My grandmother was trying to get the lid off of a pressurized, you know, jar of sauerkraut and she couldn't do it. Now my grandpa, he, he's not a very big man, he was 5'4", five 5'5", five five, wow. and uh, she's 6'2", he is 5'5". Five five. He, he weighed about 145 pounds. She is about 220. She looked like this podium. He looked like that microphone right there. And, uh, and uh, they, they, they were a funny couple. They really were. And they even had funny names. My grandmother was Opal. My grandpa was Hugo. Hugo and Opal Young. And uh, they were a funny couple. So we're at the table, and I remember this. Pat right here at the head of the table, and I'm right here, and we're watching Granny cook. And she has, he milked cows by hand, four cows every morning, every night for most of his life. The guy had a grip. I mean, he could get a hold of your leg and, you know, break your kneecap. Just, you know. And, uh, but he could have gotten that jar off, but she didn't ask him. She's stubborn. She didn't ask for help. She's, I can do it myself. And she couldn't get that lid off. And I, I watched this happen. I don't know how old I was. I wasn't real old. But I remember this very clearly. She turned around and grabbed a butcher knife. Can't get this lid off. She grabbed, she said, she went, boom put that butcher knife through the lid of that, that, that lid, that sauerkraut. And, and this is the coolest thing in the world. I, I'd never seen this happen. I had no idea how much pressure canned goods are under. She put that butcher knife through that lid and it blew up. It was the coolest thing in the world. That jar of sauerkraut, sauerkraut hit the ceiling and it was like poof, and, and it was dripping off the end. I, I can still remember my grandma. She's standing here. She's got an empty jar of sauerkraut, a, a butcher knife in this head and sauerkraut dripping off the end of her nose. And my pep he didn't say a word. Of course, she had a butcher knife and a pistol. And, 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 and I remember we watched her. We watched her clean it up, and she's muttering herself. And, and then my pep after she went back to cooking, I do remember this, he leaned over and he patted, I just somebody, he patted me on the head, and he whispered, and he said, I bet she won't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet she won't either. So, so my dad was raised in an angry family. My dad had such a terrible temper. I, I saw him I've seen him blow up and, and and I saw him beat a guy up. I've seen him throw things. Uh, I've seen him hit things. And the man's strong as a mule and his temper was, was really nasty. But I do remember one night my father came home. And my father this was totally out of character. We we didn't do this. Our families, my wife's families, they're like, you know, they're all like, you know, oh really close and and I love you and I love you too and kiss each other and, and uh, you know my mother-in-law kisses me I just 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 does it it's helped my prayer life yeah. and, uh, she, my wife's family they're just like you know our family I mean, we don't dislike each other but we weren't like that we we said I love you on special occasions <laughs> you know like you're born you get married you die uh, <laughs> we, we, but my wife we were opposite and, and my dad called this family. This is a big deal. He calls a family meeting. This is a big deal. We're at a family meeting. What's, you know, what's up? What, you know, what I'm thinking is, what did I do? You know, am I about to die? You know, did I something wrong? But My dad came in. I'll never forget this. My dad sat us down that night, and he said, I need to talk to you guys about something. He said, God's really been convicting me about my temper. And I talked to the Lord about it. And I've, I've asked the Spirit of God to help me to have victory over my temper. And I just, I I remember, I I can still remember that so clearly. I was stunned. It's not my dad. For one thing, my dad, I mean, we go to church, but it's not like he's all in. But God began working in my dad's heart, and he got to know the Holy Spirit. And, and, And it wasn't like, it wasn't like, boom, overnight, my dad all of a sudden is an entirely different man. But when my dad started looking to the Holy Spirit to help him with a besetting sin in his life, turned my dad into a whole new man. I tell jokes about, I mean, not jokes, I tell stories about my dad's temper and my kids don't believe them. <laughs> no, Papa's not. There's no way. Because my papa, their papa, my dad, the man I knew that was angry and, oh my God, get out of his way, get out of his way. My kids don't know that man. Because the, the man they know, that I call dad, they call Papa, that man is a brand new man because of the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. He's gentle. He's loving. Nothing bothers him. I mean, literally nothing. Not anything. He'll take his false teeth out and let you play with them. <laughs> Here you go, kids. Try these. <laughs> You're like, Dad, put those back in. You know, what in the world? My, my kids they laugh at my there's no way I don't know that my kids have a hard time believing this that's the power of the time factor of letting the Holy Spirit begin working in your life it's a the, life has time factors are you aware of that it's like a, it's like dieting anybody know about dieting folks are saying no, "All right, it's January it's January and I'm gonna go on a diet I need to lose some weight And you know what if you're gonna lose weight it's gonna take time There's a time factor involved in a lot of the issues of our life. Parenting is a time factor. I do a lot of teaching on parenting now, and, and, and more than I ever thought I would do, and I speak at parenting conferences and all those kind of things. And because I preach so much on raising children, people with children sometimes don't want their children to get around me because they assume that if their kid misbehaves, they'll be a good illustration at my next parenting conference. And, and yet, I've told parenti- parents many times, you don't have to worry about that, because I'm not hard on, on, on little ones. See, so, so for instance, if I, if I see a four-year-old, and the four-year-old isn't doing exactly what it ought to be doing, I'm not overly bothered by that. You know why? Because his parents still have about 14 or 15 years. My dad would say this, my dad would go to Walmart, or Piggly Wiggly, and... Uh, one of the things I've never understood is there's only two places in the world I've seen a Piggly Wiggly. One is in Wisconsin. The other one is Alabama. <laughs> that makes no sense. Why is there only Piggly Wigglies? Why do people like run for the pig in Wisconsin and Alabama? I don't understand that. That's just an aside. That was free, but that has been bothering me for some time. I've been trying to philosophically figure out why Wisconsin and Alabama, and I still don't have an answer. Someday I'm going to get that answer, though. Uh, where was I? What was I talking about? Yeah, my dad goes to Walmart, <laughs> or the pig, if he's in Alabama, because he's not coming to Wisconsin. And if my dad sees a kid out of control, you ever seen that happen? You're, you're in the store, and here's this kid, and this kid's like a brat. My dad's favorite thing to say is this. He'll mutter it under his breath. I wish I had five minutes with that kid. <laughs> I wish I I mean, I have a dad like that. I, I wish, wish I had five minutes with that kid. Now, are you aware of the fact that my dad is wrong? It's a nice thing to say, but he's wrong. I'm going to tell you why. Nobody trains a child in five minutes. You can't do it. You can't do it. See, I have an 11-year-old, and I love charity to death. That's daddy's girl, Charity Noel, daddy's girl. My little Charity Noel. She's got some things we're still working on, but I'm OK with that because I still got about seven or eight years. My Jacob, 16 and a half. He's got a couple years left for me to really finish the training. There's a time factor. How is it that my dad, who's got a terrible temper and he's known for his anger and he blows up at things and throws things and hits things and sometimes said words that I'd have been spanked for saying, what turned that man into a gentle, loving, gracious, Christ-like brand new man? It was my dad realizing that the Holy Spirit of God can do in his life what he's never been able to do on his own. And he began seeking the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work of producing his fruit in my daddy's life. And I've learned that in my own life. See, some of you are discouraged because you really do want to have a clean life. And you've asked the Holy Spirit to fill you, and you're wondering about, why am I still tempted? Because there's a time factor involved in this. This doesn't just happen because you say, okay, Holy Spirit, fill me. Praise God, I will never battle my purity again. No, this is a matter of you on a day-by-day basis, dying daily, letting the Word of God work in your life, letting the Holy Spirit work in your life so that you can grow in Christ to be everything God wants you to be. There's a time factor in it. You know what? I got some bad news for you. I don't care how long you're saved, there will always be other things the Holy Spirit will be doing in your life to make you more like Jesus than you already are. There's a time factor involved in this. How many of you have great respect for the man seated behind me on the platform? That should be all of your hands. If you're not raising your hand, we're going to give you demerits. So, of course, we have great respect for Dr. Van Gelderen. Let me ask you a question. Do you suppose that Dr. Van Gelderen has finally gone as far as you could go as a Christian? Here's, here's a man of God. The next step for him is just to stand in the presence of Jesus. I mean, would, would, we, would, we would respect him, wouldn't we? We would admire him. We, we, would, we, would, we would be impressed by him. We might even think, I, I, I'd, I'd like to be like him. Uh, except for the hair. And um, <laughs> though some of you are on your way. God love your heart. Um, but here's, here's the whole idea. Brother, Brother Van Gelder, do you think he believes in the Holy Spirit? Do you think he's seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you think there might be something the Holy Spirit could yet do in his life to make him more like Jesus? See, because there's a time factor involved. I say that to, number one, encourage you. Because if you're here this afternoon and you've really been trying to understand what this means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you're really seeking the Holy Spirit and you're wanting the Holy Spirit to work in your life and you sincerely mean it, but you feel like, why am I still, well, I'm telling you, there's a time factor involved. The Holy Spirit is well able to do His work, but He doesn't just wave some kind of magic wand and all of a sudden, ta-da, you are now created in the image of Jesus Christ. Well, you are in position. But you know what? You're living in a sin-cursed world, battling the works of the flesh, and there's a battle going on, but the Holy Spirit is doing an ongoing work in your life. And there's all kinds of ways we ought to apply that. Number one, you ought not to be discouraged if you're still trying and still growing. You're still learning because the Holy Spirit's doing His work, and praise God for that. But because you're a senior and you've had four years of understanding and you finally got a handle on it, don't stop Okay, praise God, I've arrived. No, you haven't, because there's going to be... Here's here's what I've discovered in my life. About the moment I get victory... I've got victory in this area. Look what the Holy Spirit's done in my life. I have victory. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit brings up another area where I need to grow and seek the Lord for victory. I remember when I, when I found what it was to walk in victory in my battle with purity. I have victory, clean, pure. What a glorious day that was in my life. But because I had victory over that, didn't mean that I had victory over my tongue. I still had this tendency to be harsh, especially with my kids. I'd get so impatient with my kids, and especially when they became teenagers. How many of you are all aware of the fact that teenagers are, um, how do you say this nicely? Teenagers aren't always all there. How many of you are aware of that? Your teenagers aren't, you? teenagers just aren't there. I read, I read on the internet. This is how I know it's true. I, I read on the internet in a biology book that in, in the adolescent years, uh, that that something chemically begins happening in the brain and that literally there's a there's a there's an amount of time in the teen years where a teenager's brain is not operating properly. Because it's rebuilding itself from the childhood into the adulthood and and, and I don't understand all of that but but I have teenagers and there were times in my life that my teenagers like for instance I, I am rarely home. So that when I am home I, I'm a to-do list or I love to write things down I to do I've got to-do list galore and uh, I write down things I've already done just so I can have the satisfaction of checking it off. Anybody here like that? I just, I love to-do lists. I just, it just, it's just such a blessing in my life to check it off. And I do it on paper. I know. I, I have a pastor friend and he does it on his watch, you know, and and, uh, and, 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 and I, see, I, I can't do that because I need to take my pen and go, mark that baby off. And I, I tried that on my, my watch and it didn't work. And uh, but but here, here's, the whole, here's the whole idea. I, I don't care where you are in your spiritual life. Uh, the Holy Spirit has something new. So my, my son over here, uh, we're home and I don't have much time. And I got a whole list of stuff to do. And one day I'm in the garage. and You got to help me. You got to help me. Gotta, and I, I asked him to do something. And, and he just, I, I, God love his little heart. He didn't get it. And he was, you know, and, uh, and, and I, it bothered me. For crying out loud, son, you're 16 years old. You're becoming a man, I shouldn't have to explain every detail of everything I ever asked you to do. You're becoming a man, figure it out and help your father. Don't you know I got to get this done so I can get on the road and help people to be godly daddies? What's wrong with you, son? And I just unloaded. I remember very clearly him walking out of the garage. I watched him go, he was not disrespectful but he was hurt and wounded. And I remember this very clearly. He walks out of the garage and the Holy Spirit walks in. And the Holy Spirit said, "Uh, you know, that's not right. What kind of an evangelist are you? What kind of daddy are you? I wouldn't talk to you that way, the Spirit says. That's not me. You're living by the works of your flesh now. You see, there's a time factor involved in growing in the Lord. Am I making sense here? God's not finished with you. This is no hour to be discouraged. This is, no hour, this is no hour to stop growing. There's a time factor involved in, in this work of the Spirit in your life, the fruit of the Spirit. There, there's a second thing I've learned. There's a truth factor involved. There's a time factor. The Spirit works in a process of time. There's also a truth factor. God uses His Word. How many of y'all know this passage? Put off the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. How many of y'all know those two verses? You know those two verses? Yes or no? You know those two verses? All right. Have you ever paused long enough to consider what it says between the two? Put off that old man. Put on that new man. But right smack dab in the middle, he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Have you read Romans 12? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. It's your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a truth factor involved. Psalm 119. You know know Psalm 119, don't you? I, I, I love Psalm 119. Uh, You never quite get through Psalm 119, the learning of it. Listen to Psalm 119 here and verse 9. You know this verse? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. How many of y'all know that song? Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Is that not often how we are? We can grow in one semester and not do as well in the next. We can do great in one semester and go home and not be everything we ought to be. We're prone to wander. But the Holy Spirit comes into our life, number one, over a process of time to keep doing His work in your life to make you like Jesus Christ. You know what love and joy and peace and gentleness and long suffering and goodness and all of that is? That's Jesus. That's Jesus living in your life. It's His love, it's His peace, it's His joy, it's His meekness, and his, it's Jesus alive in your life. I, I will deal with that a little bit more tomorrow, but you've you got to start putting all of this together, because the fact of the matter is, He's saying right here, with my whole heart, I've sought you, and don't let me wander from your commandments, and then in the 11th verse, here's a vital verse, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Lord, how am I going to defeat the flesh? I need the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God in my heart and help me to be what I ought to be. The Holy Spirit does that. It's going to take you being in the Word of God. What does the Holy Spirit use to produce fruit in your life? God's Word. Thy Word have I hid in my heart. How do we always say that? Thy Word have I hid in my heart. But it's not this. It's not this. It's not thump, thump. It's not hard here. The word hard in the Bible is a great word, it's a big word. It's always a hard word to define because it's used so broadly. Like we say things like, my word, she's so tender hearted. How I many of y'all know somebody like that, do you? They cry about everything. My sister's that way. She, you know, she'll see a, a dead dog on the road and cry, oh, my word, the dog died. I'm like, it's not our dog, <laughs> you know, who cares, you know, it's not my dog. She'll cry over a skunk, oh, my word, a skunk, why eat you a skunk? Probably for another reason, but she still cries about it. Let's see, some people tend to say, Well, he's hard hearted. Or they are so cold hearted. Or if you're a Southerner, like I am, our Southern phrase is, Bless your heart. <laughs> bless you. We can say anything as long as we say that. That kid's so ugly, bless his heart. <laughs> that guy's such an idiot, bless his heart. You just you add that to it, and Southerners think that makes it okay. So, what is this word heart? It's all over the Bible. 900 times it's used in the Bible, the word heart. It it, it never in the Bible means this. The word heart in the Bible means this, thinking, emotions, and decisions wrapped up in one package. Which is why he says things like, for with the heart, heart, man believeth unto salvation. What's he talking about? As I understand the gospel in my thoughts, the Holy Spirit brings it to weight in my emotions. That's often the evidence of conviction. And what do I do with that? I combine it with my decision, my will. That's the word heart. So what does the Bible mean when he says, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you? What does he mean? He means that the Holy Spirit wants to take the word of God as you're learning it, and the Holy Spirit wants to take the word of God and put it in your mind so that it will govern your thoughts, your emotions, and your decisions. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God. There's a truth factor here. He uses His Word. That's why, that's why we, we, we go to Bible college and that's why we focus on devotions. And that's why we focus on memorizing God's Word and hiding God's Word in our life. And we, we emphasize it and emphasize it and emphasize it because you know what God's Word does? It talks to you. The point of putting God's Word in your life is so that as you turn to the Holy Spirit and say, I'm struggling with my purity, help! The Holy Spirit takes God's Word and affects your emotions and your mind and your decisions about this matter. It's a time factor combined with a truth factor. And I'll just jump ahead and tell you the third one is he combines it with a thought factor. And those two are almost the same, but I believe they're different. Because you can hold the truth, but the Spirit of God wants to take the truth so that you start thinking it. So there's a time factor. How is this possible? Walk in the Spirit and you will not be defeated by the the flesh. Uh, don't, don't allow adultery and fornication and, 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 and critical spirits. Don't let that rule your life. Let the Spirit of God rule your life. Okay, how? Well, here's how. I, I've got I've to have a time factor in this the Holy Spirit works over a course of time step by step by step to make me more like Jesus and it's not that I live in defeat and hopefully someday I'll have victory it's that I I find victory for where I am right now and, 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 and as I grow in the Lord I find victory for the next thing the Lord shows me and I find victory for the next thing the Lord shows me and I find victory for the next step in my life there's a time factor in are you a senior maybe when you were a freshman you had a mighty revival in your personal walk with God but don't you get don't you keep looking back and go you know what in my freshman year amazing. That's, that's where God really changed my life. God wants to change your life when you're a senior just as much as He did when you were a freshman. And someday you're going to go to the hospital room somewhere, and you're going to have a baby, and all of a sudden you're going to be a parent, and you're going to need the Holy Spirit to do a new work in your life to grow you in a new area as a parent. It's an ongoing process, but here's what the Spirit of God uses. He uses the Word of God as you hide it in your thoughts, and you begin to think the Word of God, and your, your emotions are governed by the Word of God. Then what happens is your decisions are governed by the Word of God. The Word of God will talk to you. The Holy Spirit will use the Word of God to talk to you. Here's one of my goals as a parent. We keep teaching our kids the Bible, memorizing verses, pointing out truths, because there's going to come a day that I will no longer be there. There will come a day that I will no longer be there to say to my son, that's wrong, the Bible says, 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 but if I'll plant God's word in the hearts and lives of my sons and daughters, there's going to come a day Daddy won't be there, but the flesh, they'll be tempted in their flesh to do wrong, and I'm not even there. But the word of God that's in their heart will talk to them. Do you ever ever talk to yourself? You should. John Rice said he talked to himself because he liked to hear what a wise man had to say. And he said he answers himself because he liked to hear what a wise man thought about stuff. And, And obviously he was just joking there. But you know, the psalmist talked to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? What's wrong with you, David? You're so down. You're so discouraged. You're so depressed. What's wrong with you? And the Spirit of God comes into his life, and the Spirit of God enables David to say, Hope thou in God. David, don't be so down and defeated and discouraged. You've got God's Word, and God is the powerful God of the universe. You don't have to... See, what's he doing? He's allowing the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God, and as he takes the, the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God, and as you apply God's Word to your life, the Holy Spirit takes the applied Word of God and begins to produce His fruit in your life. That's a practical application of this this text. It'd be great if it were just simply automatic, wouldn't it? All right, Holy Spirit, I need you. Boom. I have total victory over my purity. I'm never tempted again. Boom. I always speak to my son with the proper tone of voice. That's not been the experience of Christians. The Holy Spirit of God wants to come into your life and fill you. And as you take God's Word and hide it in your heart and apply it to your life, what you'll find is that the Holy Spirit will take the Word of God and the Holy Spirit will use it to make you more like Jesus. It's so simple. It's so simple. It's so beautiful. You don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to understand everything about it. But I'm telling you, if you'll take God's Word and apply it, asking the Holy Spirit to use it, the Holy Spirit will take the truth and begin the process of growth that keeps you on the victory road and gets you on the victory road and enables you to have victory. See, it's not that some of us understand more than somebody else but it's that we've allowed God's Word to come into our heart and life, and we've allowed the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God to make us more like Jesus. Now, here's the question. If this passage is true in Galatians 5, walk in the Spirit and ye will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If this passage is true, and I suppose all of you would say, Amen, it's got to be true, then how in the world does that happen? It happens as you, in God's Word, hiding God's Word in your heart, your life hiding that word hide by the way means reserving it there it's putting it on reserve but you know we talked the last moment in, in the last session about what work what 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 what's your besetting sin what where where is the work of the flesh at uh, in operation in your life we remember we talked about that so so think about that think about that just a moment where where, where what was it you talked to god about in the last session you know what you need you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. You need to get into God's Word and say, okay, Lord, this is where I'm struggling, and I'm going I'm to hide your Word in my heart, and I'm going to let your Word govern my life, because you need the Word of God to talk to you. You reserve God. My, my tennis coach was a guy named Lou Martuniak. When I took tennis, uh, I, I love tennis. It's my favorite sport to this day. And, and when I would play tennis, uh, Coach Martuniak was a stickler for the rules. Social rules. There are some rules about tennis that really don't make that much sense. Like for instance There's a rule in tennis that if there's a dead ball on the court no matter where it is If there's a dead ball on the court you cannot continue playing the game of tennis So you get two chances to serve to your opponent and and most of the time if you're trying to ace your opponent on the first serve If you're not a real good tennis player chances are somewhere on the courts gonna be a dead ball This happens to me all the time I, I'll go up, and I'll serve the first ball, and it hits the net. Now there's a dead ball up there by the net. It's, it's from here to the back of the room from me. I have no, in- I'm, I'm almost 50. I have no intention of going up there. It's not like I'm going to step on it and twist my ankle. I have no, in- I'm not even planning to go to the, I'm going to stay back here and win this game. I'm not going up there. I'm, I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be. But you know, I can't make the second serve. I can't do it. Because I'll go back, ah, I don't care if there's a ball up there, and I'll get back here and I'll get ready to serve the second serve, and I can't. I just can't. I hear a voice. I hear this voice. Here's what the voice says in my brain. The voice says, pick up the ball, young. I hear, I hear Martuniak's voice. I haven't seen that man in years, over 20-some years, but reserved in my heart is his voice. Pick up the ball. I'm back. I don't care if there's a ball. I'll even argue with him. <laughs> I don't care if there's a ball in there. I'm not going up there. My opponent's on that side of the fence. He's safe. But I can't do it. Pick up the ball. Go back and serve. That's the word we heard. I reserve God's word in my heart so that when I'm tempted and I'm struggling or I'm, the, the, the devil comes along and he's saying, you know what, I can tempt him, I can, I can really trip him up right here. If I've reserved God's word in my heart, the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and the Holy Spirit, through the word of God that's reserved in my life, he brings the word of God to fruition in my life. And here's what it looks like when he brings it to fruition in my life. It looks like love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, and so forth. And isn't that what you want? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing if every one of us in our room was all, were always uh, producing the fruit of the Spirit and the Spirit of God's working, and no matter what anybody said to me, I respond by the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness. No matter what my roommate does, no matter what button they push, the fruit of the Spirit in my life through the power of God's Word. No matter what temptation the devil brings my way. How many of you are aware of the fact that the devil is a master at bringing temptations your way? Are you aware of that? No matter what temptation comes along, I got God's word reserved in my heart. His His word is reserved there. And the Holy Spirit's able to reach down and take that word and put that word to action in my life. And the next thing you know, the fruit of the spirit is produced in my life instead of the works of the flesh. Do you see how practical this is? So, ladies and gentlemen, here's what I've come to tell you this afternoon. You want, you want Galatians 5 in your life? Then you have got to get in God's Word. Not out of some, some, okay, okay, look how spiritual I am. I read 10 chapters a day. No, you've got to get God's Word hidden in your heart in such a way that it's on reserve. When, when the, the, the devil tempts you or the flesh tempts you, here's the fact is, the fact of the matter is, the Holy Spirit's able, as I look to Him, to take that Word that I've reserved and bring it to fruition in my life. Don't you see areas in your life where, where you know, I wish I, were, I wish I were a loving person? I wish I had joy and peace. That's not something you work up. It's like, okay, watch me. I'm going to have joy in my life, and I mean it this time. That would be a dumb way to think. So you don't work that up, but you can get God's Word in your life, memorize it, meditate on it, hide it, and the Holy Spirit of God is well able in your life to take the Word of God as you apply it to your life and produce His fruit in your life. And that's exactly what He wants to do. That's no way to live, the works of the flesh. But this is a great way to live, under the control of the Holy Spirit, taking God's Word and making you like Jesus. Does this make sense? So how are you doing? Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you just going through the motions with your devotions and, yep, those are my devotional, that's my devotional life, and, and I, I check that off, I read in my Bible today. Or are you reserving God's Word in your thoughts, your emotions, and your decisions? so that the Holy Spirit can begin working in your life to produce His beautiful fruit. Can I tell you something? When He produces His fruit in your life, you know what I know about fruit? Fruit is intended for use. Fruit's beautiful, beautiful apple tree, but the apples aren't there for the tree. They're, they're there for the benefit of others. What's God doing in a Bible college like this is you're learning the Spirit-filled life? What He's doing is trying to produce His fruit in your life so that every person around you is touched by the Holy Spirit through your life, so that every person in your family is touched by the Holy Spirit through your life. It's a never, never, we'll never be done with that. Every neighbor that I have needs my life to be oh so filled with the Holy Spirit that the fruit in my life touches their life. In fact, our neighbor down at the end of the street, their house is a mess, their family's a mess. We opened our home to them and had them over for a meal. How do how do we what else, what do we we don't know what to do to help them? They have a little girl. My I told you I think my wife wants her, and we've been corresponding a little bit, helping them to know what the, they're they're older. They can't take care of a four year old. She sent me a text this morning. That lady at the end of my street, and she said. Uh, Dave, it has just meant the world to us that you and your wife have reached out to try to help us with this. Nobody's ever done that before. Nobody's ever tried to help us with our family. It just means the world to us. You know what I think? I think as my wife and I grew last couple of months in an area of our life and and allowed the Holy Spirit to produce some new fruit in our lives, it's opened the door for me and my wife to have... I said to the Lord, Lord, where's this ministry going? I got a ministry, you don't know these people, and I don't even know them real well, but wonder what the future, their son's in jail, wouldn't it be great if we could get that grandpa and that grandmother saved, and their son were get saved, and their daughter were to get saved, and and, and all of those six kids by five different men, wouldn't it be great if all of them got saved, and we had a whole pastel of first generation Christians to impact all those families? I can't do that. But I have a Bible. My tendency is to, to, to judge. You believe the way they live. That house is a mess. Why would people live like that? What's wrong with their daughter? Have all those kids, by all those different guys? That's my tendency. But as I look to the Holy Spirit and take in the Word of God, God's filled me with love. We love those people. My, my wife, who is so clean, you, you literally could eat off the floor. My wife, I mean, she's clean. Over the top. Over the top clean. My wife loves those people. Asked me the other day if we could go down and see them before I left town. Let's go down and talk to them. That's not, that's not human. God wants to do it in your life, His fruit in your life, so you can serve others and live for others and be used of God to impact the lives of all of those around you. That's the point of Galatians 5. Have I made sense? All right, Doc, I don't even know how to give an invitation, so I'm done. Thank you guys for listening to God's Word, and uh, let's apply it to our life. Let's let the Holy Spirit use our generation. I'm encouraged about your generation. I, you know, they call, your, I, I call your generation the broken generation because there's so many messes. You know, I mean, well, well, the statistics about, about the issues of pornography in your generation are mind-boggling. Uh, so many of your generation are from broken homes and broken families and, and, and gender issues. I mean, the, the, issues, the, the list of issues for this generation is astronomical, but... We have an Almighty God in Heaven that is at work in this generation. And I think this broken generation has the potential to become the revival generation. And I just think it would be absolutely awesome. Wouldn't it be amazing if your generation is a generation that sees the kind of revival that we've always talked about in history that sets fires in churches again and just puts people's hearts on fire for God and turns this whole world upside down for the cause of Christ. And, it, and it, it really is, it is in this passage where we start. I've got to grow. I've got to let God's spirit work in my life. And if you'll do it, the Holy Spirit of God can use you, bless you, fill you, and turn you into a Christ-like, brand-new, amazing Christian. Not for your pride, but for the use in a world that needs people like you. All right. God bless you. Doc, it's yours.